Again, welcome to everyone here this morning. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ is a seeker. By his Spirit, he is still seeking those to be saved who will believe in him. We're now in the beginning of the third month of this year. We started with the focus of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that the Christian life is like a marathon race, a long-distance endurance in the right direction. The direction is a course laid out by the Lord Jesus Christ of how we are to walk with Him, how we are to run the race. And like a long-distance race, like a cross-country there are dangers and hardships, there are hills and valleys, there are pitfalls that we must be careful of. That's why the scripture says walk circumspectly, it means carefully. And we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ to do that so that we don't go astray, so that we don't lead others astray who might be following us. All of you parents know the responsibility of bringing up children that follow your footsteps. We've learned that married life is different from being single. We've learned that adult life is different from being a youth who is in the parent's home. We must keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ to endure in this race we run for Him with the goal being heaven and a new body and life eternal fulfilled. You can have eternal life now. As long as you have this human body, you won't fully experience all that we have to look forward to. So we run the race. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How many of you served in the military? Raise your hand real big. Served in the military. Good many of you. These folks know exactly what it is like to endure boot camp and training and the military and some in dangerous places, enduring day by day. We've been studying the names and the titles of our Lord Jesus Christ as we get into this to keep our eyes on Him and follow Him and what He teaches us to do. John chapter 11, most of you know this is the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Let's look at it and I'll read for you. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Apparently, that's all the message was. Apparently, they had an expectation that if they just let Jesus know that Lazarus, whom he loves, is sick, that he would immediately drop everything and rush to him and lay his hand upon him and pray to the Father and heal his body, and he would be okay. But when Jesus heard, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. 
There's a lot in that one verse that these people did not grasp. God should only have to tell us something one time. It's the Word of God. We should immediately believe it and wait for God to fulfill all that He has said. But they were nervous. They were scared. This was their loved one. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her, um, her sister Mary and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him." Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'll reveal other scriptures as we go along in the message. Father, we bow our heads before you. We call upon you. We worship your name. Holy art thou, O God, and we give you praise. We ask you to intervene in the message today in the hearts and lives of all the people that have gathered here or who are watching on live streaming. And we pray that you will help us to help your people through the teaching and the preaching of your word we call upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says very clearly that our Lord loved this family. He had visited their home. He had been with them. Mary is the one who wiped his feet with her tears and her hair and, and washed his feet in that way. This is a, an amazing story of a miracle of a resurrection from the dead and not just a man who died, but a man who's been dead for four days and entombed so to the point that his sister Martha said, by now he stinketh, by now his body is decayed, and yet Jesus raises him from the dead. The power of God has no restrictions. The restrictions come from our lack of faith to believe our understanding to put our faith in God's Word. Lazarus was buried. Jesus says at the tomb in verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he questioned her, Believeth thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were people of faith. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But they did not understand that he was doing this resurrection for the glory of God, that the people might see the power of God and understand a little more about God and how he had planned for 
their preservation of life by giving them eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. You know, Christians, we, we are getting up in age, some of us kind of long in the tooth, and um, we could pass away physically. I had a heart problem. They put two stents in. They had to drill them out. It took three and a half hours. I was concerned about it, but I was never extremely fearful. But I knew I had something wrong, and when they told me I had two stents, I mean, I had two arteries blocked completely, my first thought was, oh, now they're going to crack my chest, and I'm going to have to have bypasses. And... Um, uh, none of that happened. They drilled arteries open. They put two stents in, and I'm still living before you this morning. But it could have gone. They could have had a complication. As a friend of mine got stents put in one time, they ruptured the artery, and they had to immediately put in five stents in that artery to keep him from bleeding to death inside. Things can happen. Any of us could pass at any time. But I know without a doubt in my mind that if I die before I leave this pulpit today, I'm going to be with the Lord. I have been given by God's grace eternal life, and I'm going to live forever. And if you know Christ as your Savior, we're all going to be together again one day. John's writing was so that people would believe and have eternal life. I won't turn there for the time's sake, but John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he explains why he wrote the Gospel of John, that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, believing they'll have life through his name. John uses seven specific miracles here up to Lazarus before the death and resurrection of Christ. And there's another miracle afterwards with a great draught of fish after the resurrection. The seven specific miracles in Chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, the marriage of the Cana of Galilee, the first miracle Jesus did where he turned the water into wine for the wedding at the Cana. The nobleman's son whom he raised up and healed. The man by the pool in Bethesda who he healed there. The feeding of the 5,000. We had 39 men here and just about, we ran out of eggs. I think everybody got a little serving, but uh, Jerry said he fry, uh, cook, scramble one egg for each person. And uh, some of the guys that went through the line early got more than their share. Because <laughs> at the end, we scraped the bottom of the pan, you know. And uh, it takes something to feed all those people. And it took about four men or more in the kitchen and three young men helping to do all that work, to get all that food out there, to be ready to eat. Can you imagine feeding 5,000, having them sit down in groups, and Jesus blessing the food and breaking it and giving it to his disciples, and they gave it to the people. Then he walked upon the water. Walking on the water. I don't know why I dreamed about that the other day, that I was getting ready to step out of the boat. I read a book one time, it says, if you want to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. That means you've got to have faith enough to put God to the test. He opened the eyes of the blind in John chapter 9. Now he raises Lazarus from the dead. First of all, we look at the delay in chapter 1 through 4, a little hard to understand. Jesus hears his friend sick. 
He loves them, that whole family. They think it's less than two miles to get to where they live, that Jesus will just run right on over there, you know. But instead, he purposely delays two days. Then he tells his disciples, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. See the character of the delay. His delay was deliberate for the glory of God. He waited two days. Verse 6. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after, saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Lazarus may have died by the time the messenger got to him and even before he got back. Because by the time they got to the tomb, after Jesus delayed two days and then went to the tomb, Lazarus has been dead for four days and put in the tomb. But Jesus knew these things. Disciples didn't ask him, how, how do you know that Lazarus is sick? How do you know that Lazarus is dead? They didn't ask him that. He waited. There's a reason. Number one was for the glory of God, to see the resurrection take place. Number two, to test his disciples. In verse 7 through 10, this area of Judea had become a hotbed of persecution toward Jesus they were afraid that Jesus would be taken and stoned to death because of what he's already done in their presence and in their sight, healing people, raising the dead, and all the things that Jesus has done and what he has said and taught. The disciples knew this and they went with him. If we walk with the Lord, there is favor and protection for us. There may be danger, but by faith we've got to be strong enough to face the danger. If we know that we're doing the will of God, it'll be okay. Missionaries go to the foreign fields. They've got to learn a new language. They may be amidst people that are not believers like the Muslims or cultic groups or idol worshipers. And yet they go because they believe God has laid upon their heart a burden to go to a people and preach the gospel to them that they might be saved. Thirdly, he was teaching his disciples. Jesus said, Lazarus sleeps, and they, they thought he meant he was just asleep from his sickness. But then he said very clearly, he taught them clearly. In verse 14 and 15, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. How could he know that Lazarus had died? There was no messenger that had come to tell him. But he knew all things. Now he's telling them. It is plain. He had to make it clear to them. And you know, that's a problem with us all. We're a little thick in the head sometimes when God moves us through his word. We need teaching. We need preaching. We need study, we need understanding to grasp some of the things that God is trying to teach us in His Word. Time before Christ's resurrection, the believers died. Their soul and spirit went to a place, Luke 16, 
verse 19 through 31 describes when another man named Lazarus died who was a poor beggar and the rich man died and the rich man being a sinner went to hell immediately. But in another compartment of Hades, translated hell, was paradise. Abraham's bosom, where Lazarus went. And the rich man begged for a drop of water. Send Lazarus, get me a drop of water and put on my tongue. For I am tormented in these flames. A lot of people don't like to think or hear the teaching of hell. Let me say to you, it is real, my friends. And people need to understand without knowing Christ as their Savior, that is their destination. But those who know Christ are protected. Before Christ was raised from the dead, those who were believers were kept there in paradise. But Ephesians 4, 8 through 10 and a couple of other passages reveal that when Christ ascended into heaven, He took these captive souls of believers with him, and now paradise is in heaven with the Lord. Christ had to be resurrected first, and he took those who believe in him with him into heaven. The Lord's ascension. What happens now when a believer dies? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul was caught up, we believe. Paul spoke of a man in the third person who was slain and caught up into paradise, heard things he could not repeat. We believe that was when Paul was stoned and left for dead, and then uh, his, his brethren gathered around him and he raised up and went on preaching the gospel. And paradise is in heaven with the Lord today. So believers have a place to go when they die to be absent from their body. Their body goes to the ground, but one day it'll be resurrected. One day they'll have a new body that will be like Christ's body and will live forever and forever with that new body. As they got ready to go to this place, there's a fourth thing about the reasons. Thomas, the one who's called Doubting Thomas, Thomas was bold. And he speaks up and says, let us go and die with him. Speaking of Lazarus. If Lazarus is dead, he probably thought maybe they persecuted him for his faith in Christ. He's dead. Let us go die with him. And this danger there was a reason that he was teaching these disciples about the glory of God and what they would soon see. Secondly, the disappointments that he finds. John chapter 11 verse 17 through 37 As they get close to the town where Lazarus and his family live, Martha comes out to meet him. The circumstances of disappointment. They had gathered people together unto them for seven days to mourn Lazarus who had died. Jewish people who were friends of the family, all that sort of thing, gathered together for mourning. Somebody wrote a song and a story about sitting up with the dead. You know, that used to be an old custom. Somebody died, they brought the body back to the house. You went over and sat around the room with the body there, and you you just sat there because you wanted to grieve with those that grieve, and, and you wanted to be a support and all of that sort of thing. That was a common thing. Martha went out to meet Jesus. She said, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Now that took a certain amount of faith. She believed Jesus you know, could have healed his body. She believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but, but Lazarus is dead. You know, that wasn't what we expected. This is an unexpected expectation, Lord. And people often are concerned and sometimes even angry at unfulfilled expectations when maybe that wasn't the purpose all along. She did not have the faith to believe immediately that Christ was going to raise him from the dead. Jesus states two facts to her. The resurrection is possible now with me. I am the resurrection and the life. Life is in me secondly. He that hath the Son hath life. Next, he deals with the disappointment of her sister Mary. They were not together when they came to see him. Jesus goes on in and now he sees Mary. Martha says, Mary, the master has come and he wants to see you. Go and see him. And Mary comes and she says the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That was faith. But they had had the message from him that this sickness that he has is not unto death. It is for the glory of God. But it's hard to believe something like that when you see your loved one suffering and you see your loved one die. Imagine how they must have felt. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Everybody thought it was too late. They appreciated Jesus coming. They loved him. They wanted to see him, but they figured he was there too late. Verse 33 through 37, we find some emotion from the Savior These people are weeping and wailing. The Jews weep and wail real good. They they tear their garment open and they cry out and they throw dirt up in the air to go on top of their head. And I mean, they show emotion very much so when their loved one dies. And they may grieve for 30 days in public display of grief. Jesus looks at them weeping And he groaned in his spirit, the Bible says. And then the Bible tells us in verse 35, shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. Oh, look how much he loved him. He's weeping. Jesus was not weeping because Lazarus had died. He was about to raise him from the dead. Jesus was weeping at the lack of faith in all these people. To believe that now the Savior has arrived, everything's going to be okay. They didn't say that. But Jesus knew that was the case. This was for the glory of God. He had emotion for them because they grieved. And he had emotion because they had a lack of faith. Remember in the ship when the storm came and he was with his disciples and they began to fear and call out, Lord, wake up, Lord, help us, save us, our Carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus' words were, O ye of little faith. You're with me. Everything's going to be all right. Quit quit worrying. When you get ready to worry, when you lay down to go to sleep the next time, I want you to remember the preacher said, Do not worry because I know the Lord is my Savior. God's awake and everything will be okay. Just tell your need to the Lord. Now thirdly or quickly, we see the circumstance of the death in verse 38 through 44. Jesus tells the people to do what they could do. 
roll the stone from the door. Martha had an objection. She said, Lord, by now he stinketh. Jesus said in verse 40, He said unto her, Say I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. And they took the stone away from the door. Would they obey him, or would they have objections about opening the tomb with a man inside dead four days? They had an objection. Martha was concerned about this. She said it to the Lord. Jesus reminded her, he has told her this was for the glory of God. I want to say to you that whatever is for the glory of God is okay to do, no matter what the cost, no matter what the expense, no matter what the sacrifice that we have to give. He reminds Martha, he's about to show the world the glory of God. I want to say to all of you today, we've been waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ to step out of heaven and call us up to be with him forevermore. Change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and give us a new body like his body. And we'll see the Lord for the first time. And then thus shall we ever be with the Lord from that day forward. The dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive be caught up together with them in the clouds. And we'll be with the Lord forevermore. We've been waiting. I've been waiting almost 50 years since I got saved and learned the story of the Lord's second coming and the Lord's rapture of the church. I've been looking. I've been expecting. All the troubles and trials of the world makes me think, this, this is like the end times. Surely the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And some have been waiting for 2,000 years since Christ ascended back into heaven. Our faith is to believe the Lord just like these people were to believe Him and He showed them the glory of God. Verse 41 and 42, Jesus prayed and thanked His Father and he said he didn't do this because of needing the Father to hear him. He knew the Father was always hearing him. But he said it out loud so the people around could hear what he was saying. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen. So then faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus with a loud voice calls, Lazarus, come forth. This man wrapped in grave clothes comes out of the tomb. It doesn't say anything about the emotion of the people here. I, I, I would expect some of them fainted, dead away. But they were shocked. They were amazed. They were not standing there expecting to see this. Jesus showed them the glory of God in raising Lazarus from the dead. The word resurrection in the Greek is anestema anestema it means to stand again you might physically die my friend but you're going to stand again with the Lord because your body is going to be resurrected one day and until that day your soul and spirit will be with the Lord the resurrection of Jesus may, has made multitudes of people down through history believe it made a multitude of the Jews believe. It caused the early church to be formed. 
Josh McDowell was a professor. One of his students said, why could you not refute Christianity? He said, I'm unable to explain away the event in history called the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Critics have tried. A British lawyer by the name of Frank Morrison set out to to do that, to disclaim the resurrection. He had training in law and legal research, and this allowed him to go to all the deep evidence that he could possibly find. And after that, he was convinced that the resurrection was a fact, and he became a believer, and he wrote a best-selling book called Who Moved the Stone? Dr. Simon Greenleaf was a famous Harvard Law professor. He concluded in 1874, by all laws of legal evidence, the resurrection is one of the best supported events in all history. And I believe it, and I think most of you here today believe that as well. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. So let us who are believers follow him in baptism and be a public witness for him and be expecting him to call us to heaven and live in such a way that our life is an evidence that the resurrection is real and that we have been saved by Jesus Christ. How we live will speak that to others. Job 19, verse 25 through 27, the oldest book of the Bible is Job. And Job said, the worms will destroy my body, but I believe in my flesh I will see God. There's coming a time where I'll stand again. A resurrection of my body will take place. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We believe on him, we possess eternal life, everlasting life. We're going to live forever with God. One day, Christ will step out of heaven from his throne and call us up. There'll be a shout, be the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive remain and be caught up. That word caught up in the language is where we get the word rapture. Rapturo. We'll be caught up, changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. I want to ask you today are you a believer? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you believe His word? If so, it is for the glory of God that you too shall be raised because you believe in Jesus. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word today to your people. Thank you that if there's someone lost, God, that they might hear the word of God and believe today and be saved, their sins forgiven, cleansed of all wrongdoing, receiving the Spirit of God within their life, and their faith in Jesus Christ can do this. We ask you for that. Pray you'll bless the people now with all their needs met in Jesus' name. Amen.